1: Hello, I'm Peter King. Welcome to the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, where I take you inside the minds of the biggest influencers in the NFL. Today, a special edition of the MMQB Podcast with Peter King, live from Philadelphia, the Philadelphia-Washington NFC East rivalry game on Monday Night Football. This special podcast will highlight what happened in this game And who shined, and in particular, who became the favorite for the National Football League MVP in one night in South Philly. Before we get to my conversations, let me tell you a little bit about this game and just set up what exactly happened. A rivalry game on the East Coast. You know, in the NFL, those things are fun. I've experienced them for 32 years since I moved to New York to cover the Giants in 1985. There's no place as intense as Philadelphia. And for a rivalry game against I-95 foe Washington on Monday Night Football, 70,000 fans came out to see the team with the best record in the NFL, the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. Try to keep it that way. Their formula revolved around a 24-year-old kid Who'd never lived outside of North Dakota in his life until these Eagles drafted him 18 months ago? Carson Wentz, for this night, the spotlight is yours. Listen to Eagles play by play man Merrill Reese talk Philly football, rivalries, and this great young quarterback. Merrill Reese, up in your booth. Here we are about an hour and a half before this uh this great rivalry game, this Monday night game at Lincoln Financial Field. So you have seen so many of these games, you've seen so many of these rivalry games. What's the feeling like for you as you get ready to do one of these games?
2: I wake up in the morning of a game, and it doesn't matter if it's a preseason game or a regular season game, I can feel something special in the pit of my stomach. Now You can multiply that by 10 for a regular season game, and you can multiply that by 20 if it's a division game, and probably multiply it by 40 if it's the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) But right after the Dallas Cowboys come, the New York Giants, because all of us in this area know somebody from New York, and it's so close. But then the Redskins are right there, too. The rivalry, and nobody wakes up. Nobody goes and tells their kids every day to start yelling, Beat the Redskins. I mean, it's all beat Dallas. But the Redskins are still in the division, and every single game in the division is extremely important. And we have history on our side to look back at all the tough games,
1: great games that went down to the wire between the Eagles and Washington. So, Merrill, these two teams, with the exception of one year during World War II, have played each other twice a year for the last 80 years. What is it about this rivalry that's fun for you? Well, everything is fun for me, except <laughs> ex- except when we're at FedEx
2: Field and our broadcast booth is located low and in the corner of the end zone. <laughs> and we, we have trouble <laughs> And seeing. you can't see? And, and well, past the 50-yard line, uh, 6 yards and 16 yards on a run look about the same. But, uh, but still, it's, it's fun to be a part of it when you're here and you have a perfect view, as you can see right now. It's, it's even more fun, you don't have to struggle as much. But you go back over all the great games and all the great players that have played for both teams. I mean, I can remember a game uh, back in the eighties when Randall Cunningham signed an incredible contract. And we went out to the, to uh, then it was RFK Stadium, and it was a tremendous game that went way up score wise. And the Eagles came from way behind and won it on a Cunningham to Keith Jackson pass. But an amazing, amazing game. Then you look down, uh, again, we're going back to the Buddy Ryan days and the famous body bag game where the Eagles... What is it? Tell, tell
1: the tell the body
2: bag story. Well, the body bag story is that uh, Buddy had a, a philosophy. Buddy's philosophy was if you take out the quarterback, the rest is easy. Well, the Eagles took out three Redskins quarterbacks in that day. I believe the starter was Jeff Rutledge. Then came Stan Humphrey, and then the third guy they threw in there was a rookie who could act as a running back, as a return man by the by the name of Brian Mitchell. Wow. And they went through all of them, and uh, it just seemed that every time you looked down, somebody else was getting up slowly or being helped off the field. But that was when the Eagles had those ferocious defensive backs Andre Waters and Wes Hopkins and and you could hear the hitting up here in the booth or over there at Veterans Stadium in (laughs) the booth that was some night.
1: Merrill I've got to ask you for those who are going to listen to this podcast and who have never been to a football game in Philadelphia what is special about a football game in this city? Well the fans
2: here love all their teams they love the Phillies they love the 76ers they love the Flyers but to a greater extent this is an NFL town this is this is a blue collar fan base that isn't necessarily blue collar but it's 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 a it's a wide demographic grouping but they act blue collar once they get into the stadium and they love the people talked about the 700 level up at Veterans Stadium, where the upper deck the, seats, the upper deck seats. Who knows what? Who knows what went on up there? Except it was wild and wooly. And I wouldn't have wanted my kids to go up into that 700 <laughs> level for anything in the world. But even here at the link, the place rocks, and people talk about football. I mean, if one of the talk show guys finds his his phones rather rather sparse, the calls aren't popping up, and it's it's May third. All he has to do is say Eagles, and all of a sudden the whole bank of lights goes crazy. That's how it is. This is an Eagles town. People worship this team. I came in, oh, I came in about uh, for an 8.30 game. I arrived here before 5 o'clock, and the parking lot was absolutely full, Peter, with the smell of barbecue and the music and people throwing footballs and frisbees and everything else. They've been, the fact that they've had 11 games between Carolina, the fifth win of the season in Carolina, and this game it seemed like an eternity
1: it couldn't get here fast enough one more thing, what's one thing about the new star of this team, Carson Wentz that if somebody said to you, what should I know about Carson Wentz, what would you tell him? He is
2: the most down to earth, modest individual you have ever met that's just one thing, then I can add to the fact that He is the total package. If you wanted to design a quarterback to be a franchise quarterback, you would design Carson Wentz. He has athleticism, he's got a great arm, he can run, he can throw, but even more so, he has that special quarterback's demeanor. He walks in a room and you know he's the leader. And here's a guy who's in his second year, but he carries himself like a leader. And if you ask me for one word, more than any on the field that goes beyond all of the physical attributes, that word would be poise. Tremendous, tremendous poise. Nothing rattles him. Merrill. You love your job, don't you? I do. You? I do more than anything in the world. It's only my 41st year, and people say, uh, how long would you like to do this? I'll tell you, they will have to remove me with a crane. I, I love doing this, just being here. I can feel it right now. It's it's. Uh, we're about an hour and 15 minutes away from kickoff, and I'm, I couldn't be more nervous. I could feel it in the pit of my stomach, but once my producer cues me and we go on, It all goes away, and I feel like I am floating for the next three and a half hours. Mara
1: Reese, been great talking to you. Have a great game tonight. Thanks, Pedro. This is the MMQB Podcast. Washington came to town beaten up, particularly in the secondary, and you got the feeling they knew Wentz would come after them through the air. Washington voice Larry Michael thought pressure on Wentz would be huge. Here's my pregame chat with Larry Michael. Larry, as we sit here a couple of hours before the Washington-Philadelphia Monday night game, my biggest question about your team is how they have played so well, particularly getting defensive pressure. And when you were around the team this week and you see how they prepared for this game, don't you think the pressure on Wentz is really going to tell the tale?
3: Yes. The answer simply is yes. And in fact, it told the tale in the first game. If you'll recall, they had some opportunities to get Wentz down early and he got touchdown passes out of those scrambles. One to Aguilar was a backbreaker early in the game. So yes. Now... They don't have Jonathan Allen for the first time this year. So there's some couple question marks, Peter. Matt Ioannidis had a great start this year. Who is Matt Ioannidis? He's got three and a half sacks from the interior line for the Redskins. They haven't had that in years. But he had Jonathan Allen next to him every game. So that impact has to be felt tonight. Jonathan Allen
1: really was playing well. One of the best defensive rookies in the game.
3: He was. He was. And he's excited because he thinks he can come back which is for a Liz Frank injury, I don't know, Uh, he had his surgery. Especially a guy that big. Yes, it's a large man. So, uh, simply put, they're going to have to mix up their defenses a little bit because they didn't get it done last time around. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see them gamble a little bit with some blitzing in this game. Uh, Not having Josh Norman also compounds the strategy Greg Monusky has to come up with. Can you afford to send five, sometimes six? Four didn't get it done last time with Wentz. And this is a good football team that's on a roll right now, the Eagles. So, yeah, that's the key. No doubt about it.
1: Larry, you've done this for a long time. How many years have you done radio play-by-play of the NFL?
3: Oh, gosh. Do I really have to Come say? Come on, about, let's hear it. About 34 years. Wow. 34 years. And I can remember back. I mean, obviously going back a long way. Uh, I worked with a guy named Jack Ham taught me yeah. so much about football. Peter, I do so, I do 20, work, 20 hours worth of work to get ready for a game. Jack Ham would spend an hour on the field, take notes on the flip guard, come back up to the booth, and be better than anybody because <laughs> he understood the game. Yeah. He, it clicked in his head. When he saw it unfold, he didn't need to know where the guy went to school or anything in the past. He knew what was going on. So for me, this is one of the best games. These rivalry games. Um, you know, The Redskins have a streak here. They've got Philly, then Dallas at home it doesn't get any better than that Peter so what's
1: it like it, it, for for people who are going to listen to this and have never been to Lincoln Financial Field have never been to a game in Philadelphia what is it like <laughs> sitting there in the booth now now here's a question so is your booth open can you? It's can always you, open, yeah.
3: unless you're sealed up. I guess at the uh, Coliseum we were sealed up, or uh, recently we were sealed up. This is the first game, I think it should be noted for your audience, this is the first game since 1957 that Sonny Jurgensen has not been present for a Redskins-Eel game. Sonny is taking some time off this year from the broadcast crew. Uh, he wanted to cut back his schedule a little bit.
1: How's he doing?
3: He's doing wonderful. Yeah. He's doing wonderful. And he'll be there Sunday against the Cowboys, but it's going to be a little weird. Uh, but it is an open open booth, and you know, the, if, the, you get a good vibe here. I love this atmosphere, and it, I don't want to say you know, "Fly Eagles, Fly" is as good as hail to the Redskins,
1: <laughs> but
3: you're gonna you know you're gonna hear it when you come here, and you're gonna hear the fans. And in fact, what's different about a game in Philadelphia than anywhere else? Well, when the bus pulls in, you get a lot of salutes from the fans, more salutes than I think you see in most stadiums, and uh, that is what's different. And of course, if you're if you're leaving a winner you better duck because you'll get a projectile thrown at the bus. Yeah. But the fans are, you know, they're so passionate for this team and they're so hungry for a Super Bowl, which they've never had here. And they got a pretty good football team here. So this is one of those games of respect. These, You, you remember the body bag game and all the different games these team, teams have squared off in. And, and you know what? This is a good Philly team. This is the best Philly team we've seen in a long time.
1: The history between these teams has at times been really, really... Inflamed. Oh so what's gosh. it what's it like right now? Is there is there any hate between the two teams? I think so. I think so
3: because the Redskins feel they're a good football team and they lost the first game at home. And I don't want to say they were embarrassed, but the better team won that occasion and, and Philly was the better team opening day and no one can dispute that. But I think you know when it comes to NFC East matchups and you know the you know the scenario here, this is a big game for both teams. And the Redskins and Eagles have played. Get this. Every year, twice a year since 1937, except 1943, for you know war purposes there. So uh, every year, every year since 1937, they played twice, home and home. Wow, home and home, and so you know you you uh, and it's like I think this is the 165th meeting. Come on now, wow, 165 times they've met. (laughs) So you know it's this it runs deep and. And you come in here and you see the same faces when you come to a stadium like this. You know that's what it's like. You come back to places year after year. And Merrill Reese, God bless him, he is the best guy in the world. What a wonderful person. And he's next door. And Mike Quick's next door. I've got Chris Cooley with me now. So as the game unfolds, you're looking back at those guys. They're looking at you. And you know one of us is going to go home happy and the other isn't. So we love it. How How could there be anything better than this, Peter? Monday night night football,
1: Philly and Washington, come on.
3: Can't get better than this. Can't get better than this.
1: Larry, listen, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, hope you have a great game tonight. Yeah,
3: I mean, you know what? It will not be boring. You're listening to the MMQB
2: Podcast.
1: I don't know about you, but I do not like to shave. Who does? Nick scratches on your face. Those aren't fun. Let's face it, razors are super expensive. At least I thought they were until I got my first package of razors from Harry's. Now, those who listen to this podcast know that I love Harry's. And the reason I love them is because of the razor handle. Now, they say it's ergonomical. Whatever that means, it doesn't slip out of my fingers in the shower. And all other razor handles that I've ever used, they're slippery in the shower. Sort of a pain. And so from the start, I started using these Harry's razors in the shower. And I said, Hey, these are different. I can use these and they don't go flying on the floor. So anyway, Harry's, I'm sure this wasn't your real reason for founding this razor company to give me this razor handle that I could use in the shower. That feels like I got super glue on my fingers, but it works and I like it. So thank you. Now here's where it gets good. Harry's is so confident. You'll love their blades and you'll love their razor handle, they're going to give you a trial set for free. All you've got to do is pay for shipping. Your free trial set includes that weighted ergonomic razor handle, five precision-engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. That's a $13 value for you to try. So stop messing around and get started shaving with Harry's today, by claiming your free trial offer, a $13 value for free, you just cover the shipping. To get your free trial set, including a razor handle, five-blade cartridge, and shave gel, go to harrys.com king. Do it now. harrys.com king. Before I get to the game, let me get to what it's like to be in the middle of the mayhem down on the field in Philadelphia not long before the start of the game. I stood in the end zone before the game with Ross Tucker, the former NFL lineman and native Pennsylvanian. Just listen to us. We could hardly hear each other. So down on the field, uh, we've got 33 minutes before the game. I'm here with Ross Tucker. Ross Tucker who's working the game as a sideline reporter for Westwood One. Ross Tucker, a veteran of seven NFL seasons,
4: is that right? Seven, and I'm on the sideline tonight for the team I started and finished my career with, the Redskins, against my childhood team I grew up rooting for, the Eagles, which is funny.
1: Okay, so Ross, you're an offensive lineman uh, at heart and still one, and I wonder, when you're out here... Here we are, 33 minutes before the game, music's playing, fans are here. What do you feel like as a former player? Do you
4: wish you were out there? I have incredibly mixed emotions. On the one hand, the energy out here, the uniforms, it would be awesome me playing. On the other hand, I look at guys like Fletcher Cox and wonder how and why did I ever try to block a human being that looks like that? And I think you know what
1: you mean because he's a giant
4: absolute monster. I look at some of these guys and I'm like Was I really one of them? Did I really go against these guys? I think about my neck I think about my back, and I think I'm very happy to stay outside the white lines So
1: What's the energy like if you were out here right now? To me what always surprises me when I'm down on the field before a game these guys want to play right now and they gotta tone it down for another 33 minutes until the game starts. You
4: have to almost tell yourself to relax and that there's still a ways to go. Because once you come out here in this atmosphere under the lights, you are ready to go, but there's no use in, in spilling your guts in warm-up. So I think the longer you play, the more you realize you're really just trying to get a lather up to get ready for the game.
1: You're a Philadelphia area guy. You went to Princeton. And so you know this crowd, you know this place. Why is Philadelphia as an NFL town and Lincoln Financial Field different from other places?
4: Well, I think there's two reasons. Number one, we all know how passionate Philly sports fans are. And number two, they're starving, Peter. They're starving. You know, you look at every other team in the division has won at least three Super Bowls. The Redskins and the Eagles have never won one. And you know what? They think they got shot this year. And you know what? They just might.
1: Ross Tucker, thanks a lot. Have a great game for restaurant one.
4: My pleasure.
2: It's the MMQB Podcast.
1: Now, maybe it was the 11-day layoff between games, but the Eagles were stale and shaky early. In the first 23 minutes, they went interception, punt, field goal, punt. And Washington led 10-3. But in the last 37 minutes of this game, the following things happen. Number one. Carson Wentz threw four touchdown passes. Number two, Carson Wentz took over the NFL's touchdown pass lead with 17. Number three, Carson Wentz became the leader in the clubhouse for the NFL MVP. Number four, Carson Wentz made the kind of magical plays that made his coach, the former Green Bay Packer backup, Doug Peterson, think up this name, Brett Favre. I got to take a detour for a second, and I don't mean to take this detour to torture Northeast Ohio, but I do want to just mention one thing. There's three things about Wentz's game that I think will make everyone in Cleveland, everyone who dares listen to this podcast through their tears, that will make them very uncomfortable. Now, let me explain quickly. The Browns were in desperate need for a quarterback in that 2016 draft. And who's kidding who? The Browns are still in desperate need of a quarterback. And before that draft, Cleveland had the second pick in the draft and traded it to Philadelphia for five prime picks. The Eagles picked Wentz. The Browns didn't. Cleveland is 1 in 22 since that day. Philadelphia has the best record in football. Now back to those three things that I mentioned. The arm. Wentz's first touchdown pass of the night to rookie Mac Hollins traveled 62 yards in the air. A beauty. An absolute beauty. It nestled right into Hollins' hands. The pressure throws. With two Washington defenders getting ready to twin-sack him... Wentz threw a half sided arm wobbler into the end zone from nine yards out and hit another rookie, Corey Clement, who was leaping right in his hands. Another touchdown. And finally, the escapability. Four defenders swarmed Wentz like amoebas early in the fourth quarter, and poof, Wentz escaped. He ran for 17. Quite literally, the crowd here gasped and then scream like they were at a Beatles concert in the 60s. Take my word for it, that's quite a scream. Afterwards, Doug Peterson took me into his office at Lincoln Financial Field, sat on the edge of his desk, and gushed. So with Doug Peterson after a a pretty incredible victory, and I think America really saw in this game, Doug, everything about your young team and particularly your young quarterback that is enough to see for everybody to know that this guy's going to be a premier player in this league for a long time
5: you're absolutely right and um you know it it, it, i go back to when you know we worked him out at north dakota state and and in our scouting department um finding him and, and watching him and you know you never know who or how a player is going to be until you get him into your into your building. And um, you know the moment he stepped foot uh, in Philadelphia, it was you know all business, it was all um, it was all about the work ethic. It was all about um, him and the preparation and, and wanting to learn. And, and I mean he'll be the first to tell you that, that, that he's learning every single week and uh, you know he's a humble guy. He's a down-to-earth guy, coachable, very coachable. It's amazing to me this this kid and his talent level, um, his toughness, mental and physical toughness, and and just the resiliency that he has to, to stay in there, take shot after shot, and and to be able to throw and deliver the football like he has this season is just it's uh, it's it's pretty much amazing to me.
1: His throw to Mac Hollins, uh, the rookie from North Carolina. His throw to Matt Collins traveled 66 yards in the air and hit him in stride, and he was under pressure
5: when he made that throw. What did you think when you saw that throw? First of all, when I saw it leave his hand, um, you can tell when a a throw from the sideline, having played the position, you know what a good throw looks like, Ed. That came out of his hand as pretty as I've ever seen him throw a football. And it was a tight spiral. The trajectory was perfect. My eyes went down the field. Mac was behind, you know, the safety. And, and you know, we missed twice in the first game against the Redskins on the same type of throw. And he wasn't going to be denied again. And uh, it was a heck of a throw, heck of a catch. Great way to finish that drive um, after sort of struggling a little bit early in this game.
1: I think America would probably also look at the one play where he escaped after there were four Washington players around him in the pocket. And somehow, somewhere, he just popped out of there. And it was funny. I heard it the television. Sean McDonough said, and Wentz is escaping. And, you know, instead of saying that Wentz is
5: sacked, you know, Wentz is escaping and so, how did you see that play? I saw it exactly how he saw it. I thought he was going down, quite honestly. My eyes were in the pocket. I was I was checking out the protection. Um, and, and initially, I thought, Corey Clement, he, he was actually open quickly into the flat because of the pressure. And the guy actually peeled, the linebacker peeled back on Corey. And the next thing I know, Carson's popping out of there and the ball's going up. And I'm like, there's no way. And... Corey makes an outstanding – it couldn't have been a more perfect throw, even if you don't have duress, to make that type of throw and for Corey to get both feet in bounds. I mean, to me, that's that's one of those wow moments that, uh, um, you know, we, we uh, are excited to see a couple of young players make. Yeah. And the run that he made coming out, a
1: 17-yard run, after it appeared he was going to be tackled. I mean, this happened basically – a couple of times tonight where you're pretty sure he's going to be sacked. So that, to me, is the one thing about Carson Wentz. When you first started to scout him and to look at him, was that a little bit of the X factor, the fact that he could move around? Exactly,
5: exactly. And and, and you go back and watch him, and, and I actually went back and found some high school footage of him playing in high school. Where you he, scouted his high school I, I games? Looked, I looked at some high school film <laughs> and actually found some. And and that's those plays that we saw tonight were the plays I saw in his high school film. Him him escaping the pocket, him running, using his legs, extending plays. And you, I'm like, it's like deja vu. I mean, I'm seeing the exact same things at this level. He's popping out of the pile. He's popping out of the protection. He's popping out of the pocket, and he's extending the play or the ball's going up. And you know he's so strong that that it's it's hard for this guy. He kind of puts you into that Ben Roethlisberger type, hard to bring down. You know, quarterback. but he's not a bulky. But he's not bulky guy. Not, he's not like that, Roethlisberger. No, but how hard Roethlisberger is to bring down is how hard Carson is to bring down. Without the size, right. and, and yet he, he, he's strong enough to you know, withstand the first blow usually. Uh, he does a great job of ducking under the rush and then just popping out and, and continuing the play.
1: So I think, and I've asked you this question before, and it's really kind of impossible to answer, but I'm trying to think of all the people who will listen to this, and most of them are going to ask, here's a kid who grew up in North Dakota. He's from Bismarck, North Dakota. He had never left the state. You know, he is only from one place. I asked him about it. He said, hey, I'm going back to North Dakota one day. That's my home. That's where I'm going to live. And so... He not only goes to the NFL, but he doesn't go to Cincinnati or Green Bay or, 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 or Arizona, some place that maybe wouldn't have the insanity of Philadelphia. He goes to the most insane place that there is, you know, with the most fervent fans in the NFL.
5: Why has this not phased him? Because he loves ball. He's passionate about football. He's resilient. He's tough. He's blue collar. It's the exact recipe of what our fans are all about. It's what Philadelphia is all about. It's a blue collar town. It's a resilient fan base. They're a passionate fan base. It's exactly what this, this community, this city, our Eagles nation, our Eagles fans, Carson Wentz resembles them and vice versa. And, and so that's why it doesn't phase him. That's why this is not too big for him. You know, the knock on Carson coming out, all the naysayers was, oh, the NFL, small division, you know, one double A school, you're he's going to be overwhelmed, things and that. This, this doesn't phase him. This doesn't phase him. And, and um, those were all the decisions we made uh, prior to the draft and drafting him that, you know, we had to figure he out. Checked. We had to figure it out and then check all the boxes and go, you know what? He's our guy. This is a guy we want in Philadelphia. Two quick things. You're 6-1. and one. You've got the best record in football. Are you remotely
1: surprised, and how are you going to deal with having sort of the weight of expectations out here in this locker room?
5: You know, I would say a little surprised because of the injuries that we've faced, uh, you know, through the first seven games. Um, but but then again, I, you know, I've challenged the team every every week to... You know we've got to stay humble. We've got to come to work every day. You know the, the the target on our back. The more success that we have as as coaches, as players, as an organization, the target, the bullseye gets a little bit bigger every single week. And you know we can't complacency is a, is a real thing, and um, we can't get complacent. We can't worry about six and one or five and two, four and whatever the record is, seven. Oh, we've got to just come to work every day, roll up our sleeves, tackle in. We've got to exhaust the film, and we got to get ready for another game. The challenge is just to go one and zero as many times as we can, and 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 try to finish these games.
1: Last thing, what is what's Carson Wentz going to be like when you see him in here Wednesday morning, getting ready
5: for the next game? He's going to be he's going to be diving into the film. He he's going to be. Um, He's going to be Carson Wentz. He's going to be humble. He's going to be the same guy. We're probably going to be talking about deer hunting like Farve and I used to do all the time. And and when you were in Green when Bay. When I was in Green Bay. And and I see a lot of that in him. He loves the outdoors. He loves the woods. He loves to to get away from ball and clear his mind and and he's going to do that these next couple of days. He'll he'll watch the film. We'll get through the film, make the corrections, but Listen, he's on to the next game, too. He's on to the 49ers, and, and um, you know, it's a short-term memory in this business, and, and yet uh, he's going to be the same Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and he's going to be the same again on Sunday. Doug Peterson, congratulations, and thanks so much. Thank you very much. It's
1: the MMQB Podcast. Wentz is definitely a country kid, but he's a GQ dresser. After this game, he put on his fitted blue suit, his windowpane Oxford shirt, his blue tie, and a Navy ascot. He met the press for eight minutes, and then he met me in the hallway outside the Eagles locker room. Well, we're with Carson Wentz after another victory for the Philadelphia Eagles here Monday Night Football. Carson, I, I can't help but think after this game, that even a couple of the plays out there had to have surprised you a little bit and I want to talk about the the first one where Sean McDonough is doing the game on ESPN and you escaped from a pile of about eight bodies to run for 17 yards early in the fourth quarter and I'll quote Sean McDonough he said and Wentz will be and he was going to say sacked but he didn't say Wentz will be sacked he said Wentz will be escaping so what did it feel like to be in that scrum and then to get out and how did you
6: do it Well, I think the guys honestly were just, they were holding their blocks. You know, the pocket collapsed, but guys still had their guys. So I knew I just had to just find a way to, to wiggle my way out of there. Um, and that's kind of, especially on third down, that's kind of my mentality. Um, I'm just going to keep fighting and find a way to get out of there. And um, sometimes you, you don't, plenty of times you don't. But um, like tonight, we were fortunate enough to, to get out of there. And that was a big play of the game. Did you feel all those bodies or do
1: you have any way of knowing how many people are around you?
6: I mean, you just feel them. I'm trying to keep my eyes downfield, but um, you feel them. Pocket got small, and so I just try and get small. Try and get small and find a way to get out. Doug, Doug Peterson told me that he watched high
1: school tape of you when he was preparing to draft you, and he said to me tonight, that's exactly what I saw him do in high school. Do you remember doing making oh, yeah. plays
6: like that in high yeah. school in uh, Bismarck, North Dakota? Yeah, that was that's high school football type stuff. You know, you just kind of kind of find a way to escape and keep plays alive and make plays and um you know that was obviously kind of like that play was tonight your long throw to Mac Collins
1: went 66 yards in the air and it landed in full stride to him and I asked Doug Peterson about that and he said it's the most beautiful throw I've ever seen him make so describe what you're thinking on that what you're seeing and does any part of you say i don't know if i can get the ball to him not
6: really (laughs) um honestly that um we coach dialed up a good play and honestly they had the perfect coverage for it um we took advantage of an aggressive safety and mac ran a great route um you know that's one of those plays we we practice with tory there all week and then play before Tori ran a deep deep ball and so Max just stepped right in and every time Max on the field it just seems like he makes plays. And so he was able to find a way to get open like he always does and um, reel that sucker in and get get his butt in the end zone. You're in your second year in the NFL.
1: You're through seven weeks of this season. You got more touchdown passes than anybody in football right now. You got more touchdown passes than Tom Brady. So
6: are you impressed with yourself? <laughs> All I know is we got to keep going. we got to keep going. I mean, it feels good to be where we're at right now, but it's a long season. Um, and our goals are all still ahead of us. And so to be sitting in this position uh, feels great, you know, but I've always had uh, high expectations for myself, hold myself to high standards. So I, I never really let those things affect me. Just got to keep plugging along and get better. Last thing I would ask you, that,
1: and I've asked you this question before, and you answer it in a very poised way like you just did, but you're from North Dakota. You've told me, I'm going to be in North Dakota for a long time. I love North Dakota. It's my place. You went to college in North Dakota. So you never really experienced anything else beyond that for any long period of time. Now you come to Philadelphia, the most ardent, uh, rabid place with the highest expectations for their football team. And yet you don't seem to be even remotely
6: saying, wow, this is a pretty big deal. Tell me why that is. I'm just gotta stay grounded. Stay grounded. It's it's a game. At the end of the day, this is still a game that I've been playing since I was a kid, and um, don't make it bigger than it needs to be. And um, that was honestly my my motto throughout the draft, throughout everything, um, and it still is. It's a game, and um, you you have, you win big games like this. But shoot, we'll be back there watching tape tomorrow, getting ready for next week, and you really don't have a lot of time to, to soak it up. Um, we'll save that for hopefully February. But um, yeah, you, you just keep plugging along and. Um, never get too, too high or too low throughout a, throughout a season and again save, save all the, the celebrations for after the year. Carson Wentz, thanks for joining me. Appreciate
1: it. It's the MMQB Podcast. So here we are. The Eagles are 6-1 and, and look to be the class of the NFC. The AFC is wide open. It's a great time to be a fan in Philadelphia and a great time to be an Eagles fan. Just ask their website master Dave Spadaro. With Dave Spadaro in the Eagles locker room. So Dave, tell me what you just told me about what Carson Wentz means to this organization and to this team.
4: Well, Peter, the way I feel about it, having been here for a long, long time. How long? Well, for 30 years, since 87, that Carson Wentz gives us a chance to win the Super Bowl for the next 10 years. He, he He is better than any of them. Jaws, Randall, Donovan, the, the brilliance of Michael Vick for half a season. Not not even close. This I, I've been around Reggie, special, right? Like you know that he's otherworldly. Dawkins, special. The other one in that category is Carson Wentz. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Peter. You're listening to the MMQB podcast.
1: Good morning, Philadelphia. Your best chance at a Super Bowl ever awaits and not just for one season. Thanks to my guests, Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson of the Philadelphia Eagles, Ross Tucker of Westwood One, and play-by-play announcers Larry Michael from Washington and Merrill Reese from Philadelphia. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in the MMQB series, such as my conversations with Drew Brees, Michael Bennett, and Andy Reid. You can find these on the MMQB.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also hear the MMQB podcast with Peter King on Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 82. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And thanks, of course, to my sponsor, Harry's. Please support Harry's the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you later this week.
0: Dietz Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy so go ahead
1: and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
6: of a detour.